Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. My uh, undergrad in college is pre-law. It's, uh, I have a government degree, and that's what I anticipated my life's path, my life's journey to go, and I was uh, headed into law. And um, I'd started looking at law schools and things like that. And uh, along the way, my best friend, he was a youth pastor in Texas at a growing church. And he said, hey, why don't you come hang out for a summer? And I'm going to get ready for the fall uh, by you, you basically take over the youth ministry. And then I'll go ahead and have some time to calendar. And so while you're running all the summer games and the camps and the events, um, that'll give me some time to focus in on what we do starting in the fall to keep the growth up. So uh, that was a great plan, hang out with my best friend for a summer. It uh, seemed, seemed to be pretty awesome. And it was during that uh, summer that the Lord used those few months to call me into ministry and really just uh, tug my heart towards that. Really, it happened through the, the parents of some teenagers that felt like their, their children were uh, connecting with the gospel in a new way um, just by um, my being useful to them. And so, uh, so I got challenged by a few um, moms that just said, Tolly, you could always go back and become a lawyer, um, but you're in a great season to, to invest in young people, and so why don't you do that? And so I said, okay, that's, that's reasonable. So the Lord called me into ministry, and I went to um, that church actually started a new church, and they asked if I would come on that staff and become the youth pastor for this new church. And so that's what I did. And so um, the experience, uh, my first ministry experience was awesome. But uh, when, you, when you're the, the person, when it's your area, your department, everything rises and falls on you. So your strengths are put out on display, but so are your weaknesses. And so before long, I wasn't just the intern that everybody forgave the weaknesses. Now I was the guy in charge that was making people's lives miserable. And uh, I was telling booger jokes and bathroom jokes, and I had some of my volunteers like, is this even Christian? Like, what are we doing? And, and uh, so, but kids were getting saved, and our youth ministry grew from like four to 80 in a year. It was just rapid, rapid, rapid growth. We were reaching people, baptizing kids, and uh, so it was a great, great deal. So on one hand, I had all of the success outwardly of the ministry, but on the other hand, nobody really knew what I was dealing with on my staff. Um, my pastor at the time um, really didn't deserve the title pastor. Um, and I, I know how hard that is to say, and so I wouldn't say it unless I felt it to be true. But by the end of that term, it got to where I started asking my best friend, who by that time was hired to come on that, that growing church staff as an executive. I said, what do you do when you can't uh, trust your boss as your pastor? What, what do you do when you can't go to your boss because you don't believe he's a good pastor? And uh, so as we prayed through that the next few weeks, I ultimately felt it was incumbent on me to just slide out of that role, that the, the pastor role was that important to me. Um, I was in a small church in East Baltimore, 20, 30 people, and I still honored that role, that, that position. I still believe that it's my responsibility to honor my, my pastor, Pastor Hudson at the time. And so I had that ingrained in me. You still honor the role. Well, sure enough, I uh, got married. Christy and I were married, and we moved to Virginia Beach. And when we moved to Virginia Beach, a couple of months later, it came out that my pastor had been having an affair the entire time I was in his ministry. 
And then I recalled back to all our staff meetings. And our staff meetings were the pastor would give you a 75-point bullet list of what you needed to be doing to every staff member. And it was a three-hour grilling session. What did, let me see last week's list. What did you do? You didn't do it fast enough. You didn't do it strong enough. You weren't equipped. And so you sat there in staff meeting every week, and you had somebody picking apart all of your weaknesses and rewarding none of your strengths. So even though my work product was shooting up to the right, my morale, my hope, my joy, my love for the church was just being ripped apart in shreds. By the time I got to the end of that journey and I, I moved, I remember being so broken as a young man. I was, um, had already been on staff at a mega church where I was running a summer program and I had 15 staff under me. And I, I, at 19 years old, I was in charge of a lot of responsibility and so I was flying really high out of college, and then all of a sudden this guy demoralized me and just beat me down and made me feel like it was worthless. And I was looking to him to give me some semblance of, of manhood and godly teaching and what does it mean to be a godly man, and here he was just ripping me to shreds. And so I was a shadow of myself because of my weaknesses being taken advantage of. That's... Uh, Somewhere I started learning a lot about weakness, and I started to really study it more for myself. And truly, it was that summer, those of you that know me, you might be like, that's not the Tali I know. He's not very <laughs> worn down. He's a pretty strong guy. It was during that summer that I learned so much about weakness and how to view weakness. And so today, I hope sincerely um, that uh, today can be like a fireside chat. Um, and I can impart on you, my prayer is, a few lessons that I learned about weakness from the scriptures that allowed me to step into my calling and be the man that God called me to be. And so I pray that it's useful for you. But here's the thing about weakness. When we do not leverage our weaknesses, it will distort or defeat us. When we don't leverage our weakness, it will distort us or it will defeat us. What does it mean to distort? To distort, it means weakness causes us to deny the truth. We, we deny that we have it. Have you ever met somebody that just acts like they have no weaknesses? Every time you check them and you're like, hey, what about this? They're like, oh, I got a reason. I got a reason. I got a reason. And they're never able to just say, I, I'm sorry, I failed you there. I, I messed up. I, 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 I'm broken. I, I didn't live up to my goal. I didn't meet my own standards, let alone yours. But do you ever meet somebody that has no ability to admit that they have a weakness? How many? Don't point at them. Exactly, right? Like we know what that feels like. And, and what, is it, what does it feel like? It, it feels like, you know what? They're distorting the truth about themselves. They're, they're not owning the truth. They're distorted. They're living in a distorted reality. They believe that they're coming off a certain way, or they believe they're this healthy and this successful and this good at their job, but they're not. They're living in a distorted reality. So it distorts us when we don't leverage our weaknesses. But worse than that, a lot of people I bump into, it defeats us. Weaknesses cause, weakness causes us to be depressed by the truth. 
So some people distort the truth and they say, how I'm going to deal with weakness is I'm just going to, I'm going to distort it. I'm going to twist the truth and I'm going to make it look pretty and I've always got a solution to why I did something wrong or why it came up short or why I didn't, I, I failed you as a friend. I, I'll distort it and I won't really ever admit to being weak. Or I will be depressed by it. The only way I can deal with weakness is to, to own it. And man, I am really, really bad. I'm such a horrible friend. I'm terrible at my job. Nobody loves me. And before long, you have those two types of people. The people that distort weakness and say, I don't have any. Or the people that can't leverage their weakness. So they say, oh, I must be the worst person on earth. How many of you know somebody that lets their weaknesses depress them? You know, you, you can think of a friend, maybe yourself. You can think of someone that you say, you know, the, the weaknesses are letting them beat themselves down. And for those people, you look and you go, no, it's not true. Rise up. You have so much more that's good about you. So the distorted ones, we say, hey, come down the earth. <laughs> Come down to earth. You're, you're not up there. You got weaknesses just like the rest of us. And then the other side, we say, hey, come on up. Let me lift you up. You're not as bad as you think you are. What is it about? It's about weakness. But I believe that by the end of the day, you're going to see God wants you to leverage your weaknesses. Leverage your weakness. And you're going to find a much, much stronger life. That summer, I pick up my story with my, my church job. I, I moved to Virginia Beach, but in that summer, I had a couple of month window of transition. And I read a book by John Maxwell called Failing Forward. And if you're in a season where today's message rocks you, um, then go get this book. And it's called Failing Forward, and it's a kind of a leadership book, but the principles are totally true. When, when you fail, you can fall backwards because of your failure or your failures can cause you to fail forward. You're going to move. You're not going to stay stagnant. So your choice is when you fail, when, when weakness shows up, when everybody sees it put on display, you can either fail backwards or you can fail forwards. And so many people believe the only option for weakness and the only option to a failure is that we fail backwards but it's not true. You can leverage your weaknesses. John Maxwell says a few of these quotes, life is playing a poor hand well. The greatest battle you wage against failure occurs on the inside, not on the outside. The more you do, another quote, the more you do, the more you fail. The more you fail, the more you learn. The more you learn, the better you get. Failing forward using your weaknesses. So towards the end of the book, he says, fail early, fail often, but always fail forward. Leveraging your weaknesses. So what did I do in my second role? I, I got to the new place and I wrote down, instead of pretending that my weaknesses didn't exist, I actually wrote down and I said, I'm not going to get depressed about it. I'm only 22. Like, I, I, I think I can handle a, a new 
church job. And so I jumped in. I think I was actually 21. But I, I jumped down. And I wrote a list of all my weaknesses. And then when I was designing my new ministry, I sat down and I said, okay, how do I handle this? And so I, I need some admin people. I need some teammates that'll do this and that. And so I started to set things up. And, and sure enough, my next ministry was so much more fulfilling. So much so that within like two years, I was asked to start a church when I was 25 years old. And I went from um, feeling like a complete failure and a loser to having a church be built around me at 25 years old simply because of failing forward. Today, I hope that you'll see the leverage through these scriptures. So I'm going to give you four today ways to leverage your weakness. Are you ready? Say, yeah. Here we go. We leverage our weakness to find our strength in Christ. We leverage our weakness to find our strength in Christ. Many times, our strength is not found in Christ. Many times, our strength is found in self. And so when you find that you have weaknesses, those are not the weaknesses of your God who goes before you. Those are not the weaknesses of the one who made you, the one who sustains you, the one that put breath in your lungs. God doesn't make junk, but he made you. So the weakness is not God's weakness. The weakness is in the flesh, I have a limitation. And the reason that we get depressed and discouraged and beat down is somehow we've been told by society or friends or peers or mentors or parents, we've been told that, you know what? You're not allowed to be weak. You're not allowed to have failure. You're not allowed to have anything where you're not perfect. Because if you're not perfect, then you didn't put your all in it. You didn't study enough. You didn't work hard enough. And you didn't do it enough. And so the scripture is, um, shines a light in the complete opposite corner of the room and says, no, 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 no. You're not perfect, Tali. But the God who made you is perfect in you. And so you have to ask, Tali, where, where are you getting your strength? Because you're going to find yourself at some time or another if you're operating in the flesh, you're going to find the end to the flesh. And when you find the end of the flesh, you've got to decide. Am I going to distort it? Am I going to be depressed over it? Or am I going to leverage this moment where I don't have strength as a reminder that I am to rely on the one who gives strength? So you leverage your weaknesses so that God brings you strength. I'm going to give you a few verses. Write them down or find them on the Bible app. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. He says, look, I've learned to become content in my weakness. I'm going to leverage it to get a new strength, a strength that's outside of myself, a strength that is above me, a strength that will never fail and will never be let down, a strength that can handle anything coming at it. And so if I find that I'm at the end of my rope, I know that God is the beginning to my hope. I know that in that moment, in that moment, I can turn around and say, Lord, I thank you that I found my weakness. I thank you that I'm at the end of my rope. Because it's a reminder that the rope's not mine anyway. And I need strength in you. 
I need my strength in you. So I'm going to leverage this moment. My flesh and my heart may fail, the scripture says, but God, everybody say, but God. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart forever. Psalm 73, he gives power to the faint. And uh, that was Psalm 73. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He what? Increases what? Strength. To the one who has no might, to the one that realizes they're weak, to the one that's at the end of the rope, to the one that doesn't have hope for tomorrow, to the one that's not sure that they can make it, to the one that believes they're not the best at what they do, to the one that finally says, I can't do it any longer, to the one that finally says, I'm not as big as I think I am. Strength is waiting for you, but you have to leverage that moment. You have to leverage the fact that your weakness is on display. And you say, Lord, you're the beginning of my strength. Thank you for reminding me that I can't go through this life alone. And thank you for reminding me that you will be my supply. This is how you avoid just this distorting reality or becoming overwhelmed and depressed by it. You say, Lord, at the end of me is the beginning of you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you, for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this was God talking to Paul after a vision that he had, and, and he was trying to understand it all and where it made sense, and he just says, oh, Lord, I don't even know. I've got this thorn in my side, and I just, oh, can you take it all away? It just, my, my world's upside down, and, and, and God said, you know what? You know what? You keep coming back and you keep asking me to make you better and keep make, making you strong, but I want you to understand something. You're, you're my child, and, and it's, it's you crying out to me, this is what I want. This is what I want. I want you to see that it's in your weakness that I'm made strong. It's not that God, listen, in your weakness I'm made strong. It's not that God is made any stronger. Do we understand that? Say yes. God's not made stronger it's that my awareness of God becomes higher and loftier. It's only in weakness that I can turn around and acknowledge that, you know what, Lord, you are bigger. You are better. If I can do everything on my own and like clockwork, I can just tick out the job and I can get the portfolio up and I can, I can earn a new salary. I can live in a nicer house. And if I can do all of that in the flesh and then a weakness comes, and I say, oh, there's no weakness. I'm going to keep living. Or I say, oh, man, there's a weakness. I'm terrible. The Lord offers a third alternative. He says, no, 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 no. In your weakness, I'm made strong. Your daddy in heaven says, hey, don't you see? I'm here for you. I love you. Hold a daddy's hand when we walk through traffic. Hold on to daddy's hand when, when we're going through, taking a hike through the woods. Hold on to daddy's hand. I'm the strong one here. And it's when you and I don't see weakness in our own lives. It's when we ignore it, when we run away from it. It's when we don't see weakness in our own lives that we're not holding daddy's hand. Do you ever see a child that doesn't understand their surroundings? Start across the street, run out into the woods without any previous knowledge of what's in there, climbing fences at the zoo, 
But the dad says, hey, hold my hand. I'll be strong for you. I'll make up the difference between what you lack and what you need. And so the first thing that God can give us in the middle of our weakness, if you'll leverage your weakness, the first thing you can get is strength in Jesus Christ. Second thing, we leverage our weakness to find our rest in Christ. Not only our strength in Christ, to say, Christ, in my weakness, would you please make me strong? Would you show yourself strong? Not only that, but, but Lord, in my weakness, can you help me to find my rest? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you what? Rest. Some of us are spinning our wheels six days, seven days a week. We're laboring. We're putting up with bad work environments and we're under stress all the time and we're always cranky and we're staying up late nights, early mornings and our anxiety is going through the roof and all we ever cry out for, at least we say it out loud, is I, I just want rest. But the reason that we're usually going at these warp speeds and the reason that we're ignoring people in favor of profit, the reason that we don't have great relationships, the reason that we do that is that we don't want rest. We want more success. And it looks different for everybody, but it's the labor in us. Instead of living more simply so that we could, we don't have to chase that particular dollar figure. No, no, no. We grab a credit card and we add more on top of it. And then all of a sudden, now I've got to work this fast just to keep up with yesterday's. And so before long, you find yourself in this whirlwind of trying to live up to some kind of unwritten expectation of you about what you should own and who you should be with and what zip code you should live in and where you're going to retire and how much is in your account. And you spend all your time, just this energy, and you tell people, I want rest. You don't want rest. But Jesus says, listen, once you get to the end of it all, once your labor and your toil and your stress mounts up, I'm here to give you rest. When you find in your weaknesses that you need rest, he says, I'm here for you. I'm here to give you rest. It, it should feel more like a dance than discipline to be a Christian. To be a Christian should feel less like discipline and more like a dance. Have you ever met somebody that tried to maybe go out uh, and, and they thought they'd be cute and so they thought they would take a dance class with their girlfriend or boyfriend or they thought they would grab their husband or, or, or wife and go to a dance class? You ever watch people when they first start? Or watch, I don't know, Dancing with the Stars week one? It's all discipline, right? You watch and it's just like elbow up. Elbow in, elbow sideways, elbow, and it's just discipline. And they're sitting there, and they're calculating everything, and they're like, and you're like, that looks like, I've seen that somewhere before. That looks like Michael Jackson's thriller video. <laughs> like, 
but a dance. It's in and it's out, and it's effortlessly, and, it, and it's smooth. What it's supposed to be like to be a Christian is a casual dance with your life. But most of us, we don't know how to rest. And so in our best days, we make it all about the discipline. And God says, hey, when you're tired of being tired, let me be your rest. Let me be your rest. Casting all your anxieties on him, the scripture says, because why? Because he cares for you. Can you make that personal and say, because he cares for me? So I'm going to say, church, cast all your anxieties on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for me. One more time. Cast all of your anxieties on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for me. You might need to remind yourself of that this week. I'm stressed, I'm snappy, I'm, I'm cut off, I'm tired, I'm angry. Well, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Rest. When you find that you're weak, you can get rest in Christ if you'll leverage your weakness. We leverage our weakness to find connection to Christ. Likewise, the Spirit helps us, connection, in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray or as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You ever get to a place to where your, your prayer life becomes just, just clenching your jaw? And you just say, Lord, I just, I don't know. I, I can't take it. I can't take that person or my, my kids or that, that, that neighbor, my coworker, and, and oh, I don't know. Or get to the place to where you say, Lord, I'm desperate for you. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and I've been doing this for a long time. You'd think I'd have it figured out. But the scripture says, you know what? In your weakness being revealed, God doesn't call you to distort it and pretend you're not weak. God doesn't call you to go into depression and realize, just see there, look how weak you are. No, no, no. God, in all of that, he says, I'm not calling for distortion. I'm not calling for depression. I'm calling for connection. I'm calling for you to finally realize in your weaknesses, oh man, the Spirit of God can show up and cry out for you. Some of your greatest prayers may be prayed with your tears. You may never even say a word. But in some of those sweet moments of, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope with this. The scripture promises not only does your Father in heaven hear that, but right here he says, you know, the Spirit helps in your weakness. We don't know what to, when we don't know what to pray as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes. Himself, that's a person, the person of God. Not only does the person of God hear you, the person of God speaks for you. When the tears are hitting the carpet and you don't know what to do and everything you tried seems to have failed, he doesn't want you to distort the moment and pretend it's not there. He doesn't want you to go get depressed. What he wants you to do is just cry out to him. And in that way, you leverage. 
You leverage your weakness. The point of a leverage is that you get more strength out of what you have. And sometimes in our weakness, we think that's the moment when I have no strength. I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to turn. No, my friends, it's in that moment that you can leverage that moment. You cannot leverage your pride for the same thing. You cannot leverage your success. You cannot leverage your money. Your money will not get God to jump out of heaven to help you. And there are a lot of people that try. Your, your, your weakness gets God to say, I, not only will I hear you, not only do I see you, but I want that connection. I will speak for you. It's in your weakness. This is why when, when people are weak and then they, 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 they leave the church, I'm like, this is the worst thing you could do. It's the, it's the worst thing you can do is to run from the church. In this moment, this is the time that we help pay the bills for you. Because you show up and you, you come and you listen and you write things down and you go to a small group and, and then all of a sudden you have this moment either where you feel distant from God or, or maybe there's a, an abuse or an affair or something goes wrong in your life, a sickness, and then all of a sudden you get angry with God and you leave and I'm like, no! Everything else was training for this day. This is the time when you lean in. This is the time when the Spirit of God, he's been listening to you the whole time, but it's in your weakness that he says, I'll speak for you. Philippians 4.13. It's one of the most abused passages of the Bible. But look what it says. I can do what? All things through him who what? Strengthens me. Through. Through. Not because of. Not, 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 not that he dumped stuff. He didn't just give me the secret sauce. No, no, no. Before I recognized my weakness, I was living through me. Before I realized that I, I, I failed, before I let that person down, before my, my sin showed up into the room so predominantly, before all that moment, I had it managed. But when my weakness came on display, connection through, I realized that I could leverage my weakness to no longer live two, through, and four tally. But in my weakness, I can do all things what? Through Christ, who strengthens me. That's connection. That's connection. In your weakest moment, your God cries out for connection. Do it through me. The only other thing I'll stay here as a pit stop is I can do all things. How many things? All things, right? You know what most people use this for? Inspirational, kind of rocky Philadelphia stairs video. I can do all things. You know what this verse should be used for? I'm going to get through the suffering. I'm going to get through this loss of life. I'm going to get through this season of loneliness. I'm going to get through this, this clinical depression. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to get through 
this illness. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get through this surgery. I'm going to get through this public failure. So it's not a verse that's just there for Rocky at the top of the, the steps. It's a verse for when you're at the bottom and all you can see are steps. And you say, Lord, in this moment, I'm not the hero. Lord, in this moment, I'm not the victor. Lord, in this moment, I don't have a trophy. But it's in this moment that I can claim your word and I can say, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Connection. Last but not least, we leverage our weakness to find our focus on Christ. We leverage our weakness. So we we look to Christ for strength. We look to Christ for rest. We look to Christ for our connection. But we also look to Christ as our focus. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When you're in that moment where you fear, you don't know what's next. When you're in that moment when you're at the bottom. When you're in that moment where all you can see is steps. You can look at your problem or you can look at your Savior. And your Savior did not give you a spirit of fear. Your Savior gave you the ability to have power and love and self-control. Watch and pray, Matthew 26. Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. How many of us in our weakness, our first reaction is watch and pray? When you're faced with that temptation, watch and pray. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We don't serve a cosmic killjoy. We don't serve a God who spun the earth and walked away. We serve a God who came down, Emmanuel, God with us. Remember Christmas? We celebrate a God who comes close and says, listen, I know what it's like. When, when the enemy tempted Jesus to jump off, you remember uh, the mountain? Hey, why don't you, why don't you turn these, these uh, rocks into bread? Why don't you jump off the mountain? Why don't you have all these temptations? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look to my Father. I'm going to keep my focus on my Father. And that's when Jesus repeated a lot of Scripture. Because I can keep my focus if I've got something to focus on. But many of us, we come to church and leave church, come to church, leave church. The Bible doesn't get open. It gets dusty during the week. We knock it off on Saturday night, Sunday morning, and when they come again, And then when you're under temptation and when you're under your weakness and when you're starting to fail, you're like, well, I don't know what to do. Do what Jesus did. Keep your focus and your eyes on your father. Robert Murray McShane, I gave you a quote from him last week. I've been reading them in case you haven't noticed. But he says this, for every look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. For every look at self, Take 10 looks at Christ. Can you see the beauty in that? On your best day, if you were doing this, if on your best day you're taking 10 looks at Christ for every time you think about being prideful, on your best day, if you were able to say, you know what, Lord, I see you. I don't see my success. I don't see my glory and self. I don't see other. I see you, Jesus. 
What about on your worst day? It's kind of hard to stay in depression or discouragement about your weakness if you're saying, Jesus, I want to look to you. I don't want to keep repeating the cycle. I'm not going to play the record of Tolly's failure today. I've heard that song before. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look to you. I'm going to look to you, Jesus. And for every time that I want to look down and be depressed about me, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to take 10 looks at Jesus and one look at me. Your weakness, my friends, can be leveraged for strength, for rest, for connection, and for focus. Will you leverage your weakness? Let's pray.